Prayer is, prayer is great, right? And it never gets old. You cannot win with your mouth closed. Amen. You have to pray. You have to enter in with thanksgiving and praise. Amen? Because that is something that you do that's personal. Hallelujah. When you pray, that's a personal thing you do with God, right? I believe I'm supposed to be here. I believe that I am anointed to be a pastor. Amen. I believe that God, All right, come on. I believe that God himself has anointed me to be a pastor. Amen. 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 And I want to lead in with a story and the reason why I'm confident about being a pastor. When I was younger, right, I won't say my age, you guys know, um, I was going to college. Anybody know where Jamaica Avenue is? Yeah. On Jamaica Avenue, they used to sell things, right? It used to be on the corner, like, uh, it's a guy with, with a stand, and he'd be like, Batteries, lotion, tissue, lifesavers, one dollar, one dollar. So I, w I was going to college. I was going to um, LaGuardia College. I had to get on the train. But before I got on the train, I went to a corner store. And I went to the corner store to buy some gum. And while I was purchasing some gum, an older gentleman, he reached out to try to grab me. And, you know, your first reaction is to like, be like, hey, why are, you, why are you touching me? And he was like, are you pastor so-and-so? And I'm like, no. Now back then, I was in Winners Church. I was a youth leader. I was doing things with the youth, but I wasn't a pastor. And so when he asked me that, I was kind of like, no. He's like, you resemble a pastor. I'm like, okay. And he said, well, I believe that God is going to do a mighty work in you. I believe that God is going to use you to touch the hearts of the youth. And I believe that you're going to become a pastor, a youth pastor. And I'm just standing there looking at him like, thanks. You know, um, and he said, God bless you. And he walked out the store. The guy in front of me, he was like, God bless you, brother. He's like, thank you, man. I paid for my gum. And I walked out literally like 10 seconds after him. And guess what? I didn't see him anywhere. Now, this is an older gentleman. He couldn't have ran. You know, even if, he were, if he's running, I, I would have seen him. Yeah. But for me, I believe that that was an angel. Wow. I believe that was God's way of telling me, no, you belong in the church. That you are anointed to preach. And I believe that that's God's way of being personal with me. Right? That was a personal thing that God did with me. He sent someone that I didn't know to say, hey, this is what you're supposed to be. And now, how many years later you see Joshua as a youth pastor? Praise God. Praise God. We're here to talk about the characteristics of God. And so I want to bring out three things that is in God's character. And that is God's character is personal. God's character is powerful. And God's character is loving. Amen. He's a personal God. The story that I just told was very personal to me. God used someone to speak to me personally. And it doesn't stop there. Guys, I got married. <laughs> There's a lot of things that God did with me personally before I got married. But I'll bring out one thing. And I said this a little bit in my vows. I said that the Lord spoke to me. But what you guys didn't know is that he spoke to me twice in one day concerning me getting married. So when I first came in, I saw Brother Avi. And I told him a story about how I was dating someone, but I stopped dating them. And he was like, OK, praise God because he knows the backstory, And he was like, now that you've done that, God is going to bless you with a wife and she's going to come in like a bowling ball. I said, thank you. I received that. But, you know, I felt like I didn't know what was going on. And, you know, OK. 
So we sat down in service and Pastor Reeves preached a masterful word as usual. And at the end, Pastor Reeves calls me up and I'm like, oh, what is he going to say to me now? Right. So I get up there and Pastor Reeves says, the Lord has spoken. The Lord has already favored you and he's going to give you the wife that you want and that you need. Now, when I heard those words, I was like, already, because I was already dating my wife. I realized that what he was saying was, God is already giving you your wife. Somebody that you want and that you need. So I had, God spoke to me. He was very personal with me within those, within those half to half hour or so. So that's my first point, that God is personal. God's character is personal. He is personal with you. Praise God. Do you think that you think that you're the only one that God speaks to when there's seven billion people on this earth? That God only speaks to you or just speaks to pastors or just speaks. No, he speaks to everyone. God is personal with every single one of those people. It's not just about you, me, celebrities. When you see people that are flourishing, you're like, I want what they got. No, God is personal with you, too. God is personal with them, too. God values you the same way that he values them because God is a personal God. It doesn't stop there. My wife was like talking to me. Well, how come I didn't get a word? What about me? Where's my word? Everybody's speaking to you. What about me? I want a word. Me. I was like, I don't know what to tell you, babe, but I know what God told me. So I'll move forward. Guess what God did to show Rachel that he was a personal God. So Rachel wanted a word. She was sleeping one day. Her aunt, now her aunt did not know we was dating. Her aunt didn't know it at all, because remember, it was a short period of time. So she receives a text. She wakes up, and the text says, go buy your wedding dress. Wow. She said she saw the text. She put it down and rolled back over and went to sleep. <laughs> and she told me, I'm like, that's the Lord. He spoke to you. He personally sent somebody to speak to her about, yes, this is your husband. Somebody who did not even know she was dating me, didn't know anything about me, didn't even know what I was about, told her to go buy her wedding dress. Because God is a personal God. Praise God. Let's go to the scriptures. You know, God is a redeemer. Amen. He redeems his people. That shows that he is personal with you. When you redeem something that is yours. Amen. And what does that make it? Personal. Let's go to the book of Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 3. I'm not going to wait for y'all. <laughs> 43, verse 1 says, But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. That's personal. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. That's so personal. That is personal. God says, I am your God. Yeah. The message Bible says... 
because I am God, your personal God, the Holy of Israel, your Savior, I paid a huge price for you. When you spend your money on something, that's personal. God said, because I'm your personal God, I paid a huge price for you. I redeemed you back. That is personal. Amen. I, I paid for you. You see that right there? That's mine. I spent my money on that. And that is something that is what? Personal. God's character is personal. Amen. God's character is personal. God is concerned with the lives of his people. That's why he performs miracles. That's why he speaks personally to you. That's why there's signs and wonders on your behalf. That's why when we pray to him, he answers prayers because he wants to enter into relationship with us because he wants to be personal with you. Amen. He wants to relate to you. He wants to love on you. Rather than him being distant and, and detached, no, he wants to be closer than your breath. Mm. How personal does that, is, is that? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. God is not somebody who's over there waiting mm-hmm. for you to come to him. No, it says that God is closer than your breath. That means he is always with you, that he dwells with you, that he wants relationship with you because he wants to be personal with you. Praise God. Will you let him in? Will you allow him to be personal with you? Will you allow God to take over? Praise God. Our relationship is personal. And although it's personal with God, it is not meant to be private. God's relationship with us is not meant to be a private DM. We see these people out here and they get mad when their boyfriends or girlfriends don't post them on social media. Like, why are you hiding me? I'm your boyfriend. I'm your girlfriend. What's going on? You know what I'm saying? This is a personal relationship. God is not a side piece. Oh, come on. My God. He's not meant to be private. Do you see when God blesses you, right? Is it private? No. Doesn't he bless you publicly? So why do we want to treat God like a side piece? No, he's the main event. He's the main course. We should be shouting his name on the rooftops. Because God is personal, but he's not meant to be private. He's meant to be on display. When he blesses us publicly, why do we? We don't keep it private. We, we, we show that blessing, right? We show that, that, that money, those cars, those things. Do we mention where we got it from? Do we mention that we prayed for this? Yes, 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 yes. Do we mention that God allowed us to be here? Come on. Or do we keep it in the, in, in the private DMs? <laughs> right? No, we want to say this is, what, this is who allowed me to be here, and that's God, my personal God. Personal God. Praise God. Amen? Praise God. That's so personal. That is powerful too, isn't it? Yes, it is not? Yes, yes, that God even calls you friend. That is powerful in itself. It says in the scriptures, who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me when I call. That is personal and it is powerful. Who am I that you are even thinking of me? Who am I? And what does it say? It says, I am a friend of God. Don't we have our personal friends, our best friends? Don't we have those people that we set apart? That's like, oh, this is my best friend, right? 
This is the one that's like, you know, always there for me. That's God. Although we don't call God our best friends and our personal friends, he is our personal savior, our personal God, the one who speaks to you, the one who gives you revelation about your life, the one who gives you revelation about other people, who speaks into your lives and tells you where to go, what to do, what not to do. That is God because he wants to be personal and that is so powerful. Praise God. Which leads me to my second point, and that is God's character is powerful. How do I know that? How do I know God's character is powerful? Because it says in the word that God does not give you the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. God gives you power because he himself is powerful. It is in his character. God is powerful. Praise God. He gives you the power to speak against demons. He gives you the power to speak your words and speak things into existence. That is powerful. When you can speak to God, we can pray and God says, I'm going to answer your prayer. That is powerful. When you can speak to God and say, God, I don't want this. I don't like this about my life. And God says, here's a plan where you can do what you can do. I'm going to show you what to do to make that thing change. That is powerful. When you say, God, I don't like this thing, this, this demon that's tormenting me, and God says, you can speak that demon out of your life. That is what? Powerful. Because God is himself powerful. It is his character to be powerful. So he gives us what? Power. Praise God. The Bible says in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I given unto you the Power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. God has given us the power to attack the enemy at any given moment. At any given time, you can attack and defeat the enemy because God has given you the what? Power to do so. All you have to do is use your words. All you have to do is pray to him. All you have to do is recognize your authority because God has given you the power. God cannot, will not give you something that he is not. God cannot, will not give you something that he is not. Does God give you depression? Does God give you anxiety? Does God give you fear? That sounds like characteristics of the devil. I mean, I'll be tight, too, if I got kicked out of heaven. I'll be depressed, too. You ever seen God in heaven like, oh, what was me? <laughs> I don't know if I can do this, guys. I'm stressed. I'm depressed. You ever seen God speak something and say, maybe it'll happen? Possibly. Maybe. You ever seen God do that? You ever seen God have anxiety about something that's going on? No. Because God cannot give you something that he is not. And his character is Powerful. Praise God. So if you are experiencing depression, anxiety, doubt, fear, know that it doesn't come from the Lord and know that you don't have to accept it. You don't have to accept it because that's not in God's character to give you. So if you are experiencing that, recognize it's not coming from God. It's not coming from the Lord. That's coming from Satan himself, which got cast out of heaven. He's knowing with the glory. Come on, come on, come on, come on. 
He no longer has the power, the authority. God has that. And that is in God's character. So he gives you what he has. Because we are heirs together and joint heirs with who? Christ. So if God has the power, if his character, what is he going to give you? Power. Power. Praise God. Hallelujah. I like what the scriptures say. It says, if you have faith, small as a mustard seed, that means it's this small, right? Who knows how a mustard seed is really small. That means your faith could be this small. But if you speak to a mountain that's this big or what's going to happen to the mountain? It's going to move. So even if your faith is this small, that means you have the power to move mountains. The power to say, listen, move and it'll be moved. It's like David with that slingshot, right? He realized he had the power. This giant in front of him, this mountain in front of him, with a little slingshot. He had the power to knock that giant down. And afterwards, he stood over it with the authority and cut his head off. I love that. How, how much power and authority he showed over that situation. He had the power to do so because it's in God's character to give him that power. Praise God. I love it. I love that. I love that. Praise God. You know, power is not just about muscles, Pastor Patrick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, this guy is in good shape. I want to be like him. Because we see this has nothing to do with muscles. David, although he was probably in somewhat shape, right? But the giant, how much? Come on. That giant could have snapped him in two. But it wasn't about power and the muscles. It was about the power that God gives you. Amen. The power that God bestows upon you. God. It was about that type of power. The scriptures say that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. When you wait upon the Lord, your strength, your power is renewed. When you ask the Lord, what should I do? How should I go? Your power, your strength is renewed. All you have to do is wait upon the Lord. Come on. Not just working out. <laughs> and your strength shall be renewed. Praise God. God will give you the power, the strength to do. To do those things that you don't think you can do, those things that you normally could not do, God gives you the power to do those things. Praise God. God cannot give something that he is not because he cannot be contrary to his word. That means he can't be contrary to his character. He cannot give you something that he is not. Does God put you in a disease-written body? Does that sound like a powerful, personal God? No. Oh, God gives me cancer. <laughs> How is that a powerful and personal God if he's going to give you something that's going to drain you of that power that he gives you? Mm. I, I, sometimes I, I don't like when people say, oh, God allowed me to go through this. <laughs> this thing that I have in my body. God put it there. What? Right. Is that a loving God? That's not a loving God. That's not a personal God. That sounds like someone who wants to torment you. 
and that it is not in God's character to torment his people, to torment his children. It is not in God's character. God doesn't do the tormenting. Because that's not powerful. That's not personal. And for my last point, that's not love. Do you remember in the scriptures the woman with the issue of blood? We're talking about power. Do you remember what happened to her? The woman with the issue of blood. She was bent over for some time. You know, she had a cycle that would not stop flowing. And she, she wants to receive healing. Now, Jesus is walking. There's a lot of people around him. People swarming him. And he's just walking. Now, she was brave, right? She had an idea to go through this crowd where she wasn't supposed to be in public, right? Because she had a flow. And she, she wanted to get what Jesus had. So she touches the hem of his garment. What does the scripture say next? Does it say healing came from him first? What does it say came out of him? He said, who touched me? Why did he ask that? Because he said, I felt power leave me. I felt power leave me. That means God is powerful. Is in his character to be powerful. So when she touched him, although she received healing, he felt power leave his body. The power to heal. And she became whole. Because she tapped into touching the hem of his garment. And because God is all powerful, he is mighty to save. She received that power to be whole. That power to be healed. She received the power. The power that comes from above. The power that comes from God. That's what she received. Because God's character is powerful. That's what he's going to portray that's what he's going to give off. That's what he's going to give us. The power to be whole. The power to be healed. So if you're sick in your body, guess what? Reach out. Touch the hem of his garment. Pray. Receive that power to be whole. Receive that power to be healthy. Receive that power to be healed. Receive his power. He gives us that spirit of power. We have that power. We have the power because God is powerful. Don't get it twisted. We have power because God himself is powerful. We love God because he first loved us. God's character is personal. God's character is powerful. And God's character is loving. God is love. Praise God. My last point is God is love. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this. God is love. Praise God. God is love. Why would God allow himself to get crucified on the cross if he wasn't love? You don't think he could have one call, got 12 legions of angels up in there to get them out of there? You don't think one call he could have had everybody destroyed? One call. But because he is love, he allowed that. Because he is powerful, he partially limited his power, came down as a man, 
fulfill the promise so that we can be saved. That is power and love. Just think about it. You have the power to either take out your hand and feed somebody or ball up your fist and strike somebody. Both of these things hold power, don't they? Right? But God decided to partially limit his power in order to come down and fulfill the promise. That's powerful and that's loving. It is all about what you do with the power that God gives you. The power that you have. It's about what you do with it. Because we do have power that God gives us. But what do you do with it? Praise God. God is so loving. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Who knows that song? I know Pastor knows that song. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who is born of God and knows God, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's 1 John 4, 7 to 8. God is love. It is in God's character to be loving. But you will not know that unless you spend time with him. You'll think God is uh, giving me this thing that's in my body because I don't know. This is what God does. How can anyone say anything about who Pastor Fabian is if they have never spent time with her? How can you say, oh, Pastor Fabian's like this or that if you've never spent time with her? How can you say what type of character she has if you never spend time with her? How can you say that God is not a loving God if you don't know who he is? If you've never spent time with him, if you've never searched the scriptures, how can you say who God is, what God's character is? It is not in God's character to put something inside of you that is unhealable. That's not love. It says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life that's love that is the character of God God is literally love you want to know what love is forgiving somebody even though they betrayed you how many of us forgive our friends when they betray us oh one yeah How many of us forgive our friends knowing that they're going to betray us? We'll be like, nah, I'm going to get get out of here before that even happens. You ain't going to betray me, bro. I know what's coming. (laughs) Am I wrong? Somebody betrays you, I forgive you. But knowing what they're going to do, I'm got to jump shift. (laughs) I'm not going to stand here and allow myself to be put in a position to be betrayed. Guess who did, though? God did. <laughs> when, when did he do that? With Peter. Remember Peter, right? Yes. He says, God says, oh, Peter, come here. <laughs> <laughs> now, Peter was the one that was bold with the machete, the one that was cutting off ears for Jesus. God said, huh, bro, you're going to betray me. <laughs> Peter was like, no, no, I'm not going to betray you, God. Nope, I will die before I betray you. I'm, I'm with you. 
You know those guys, those homies that be like, I'm with you, bro. You gonna rob? I'm gonna rob. You gonna steal? I'm gonna steal. Then when they... <laughs> Jesus is like, before the roosters crow, you are going to betray me. He was like, nah, bro, I don't know what you're talking about. Then the time comes, right? Jesus is, 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 is getting his, his, his whips, the crown of thorns on his head, and, and everybody's like, oh, that guy, you. No, you was with Jesus, right? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, bro. Like, you know, like, you was with Jesus. That was you, bro. And he's like, nah, get off me. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Nah, I know you. I know you. You wanted to taught us. Nope, that's not me. What happens? The rooster crows. Him and Jesus lock eyes with each other. The grief he must have felt. This dude ran off. Ran off on a plug three times. <laughs> he ran off because he, he knew, bro, I just betrayed Jesus. Yeah. What, what I said I wouldn't do. But God, somebody say, but God. But, God. but the love of God, after that, he still forgave Peter. Which shows me that the love of God also has forgiveness for you. Even if you betrayed him, God knows if you did or didn't, and he still chooses to love you. He still chose to come down as a man, sacrifice himself for your betrayal. Because he forgave Peter, did he not? I know the scriptures say, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep then, bro. Better feed my sheep. Now, Jesus already loved. He's trying to find out, Peter, you really love me? Because you just, you just betrayed me, bro. Yeah. How many of us have friends that we won't put in the same position after they betray us? Yeah. I'm going to love you from a distance, though. I'm going to forgive you, but I'm going to love you from a distance. I'm not going to put myself in the same position to be betrayed. But Jesus said, you can still be in my inner circle. Wow. You can still be with me, walking with me. Wow. Even though you betrayed me, and I knew it. Jesus said, you can still walk with me. That is unconditional, crazy, radical, undeserving love. Praise God that Jesus will forgive somebody who betrays them. You want to know what love is? Someone killing your family and you still forgiving them? How many of us will forgive somebody who kills someone in our family. Where's the hands now? <laughs> Guess who did? God did. <laughs> During this time, right, when God forgives someone who was murdering their, their, their people, I'm just going to say it, it was Saul. During the time with, in, in Israel, we had Stephen. Stephen was a deacon or an evangelist. And in Israel, he was, he was trying to get the people to receive the Holy Spirit. He was trying to get them to accept the Holy Spirit. And they was mad. So they were like, yo, bro, this guy's coming through trying to get us to accept. We don't want that. Let's stone him. So Israel, the people of Israel, decides to stone Stephen. And guess who was right there agreeing with the whole thing? Saul. Stephen gets stoned. Saul was in agreement with it. He was in agreement with it. Let's go to Acts chapter 8, verse 1 and 3. 
It says, now Saul was consenting to his death. Whose death? Stephen's death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. Havoc. Entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. What was Saul doing? He was going into people's houses. Are you a Christian? Come with me. You deserve death. That's what he was doing. He was bringing persecution to the church. He was a guy who was, he had the power to do so, right? Because God gave him power. But remember what I said, it's how you use your power. It's how you use your authority that God has given you. So let's go to, let's, let's, let's go on. Then Saul, still breathing threats, I'm sorry, this is Acts 9 now. Let's go to Acts 9, verse 1. We're still talking about Saul. We're talking about God's love. Amen? Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he don't care whether you were God. He don't care. He might bring them to Jerusalem. He's looking for any excuse to kill a man. He's going in there. Where's the letters at? Where's this? Let me see. Let me, let me try to find out. He's blood hungry. He's over there trying to persecute more and more Christians day by day. He went to the priest like, yo, let me see the letters. Let me see, let me see what these people are about. So I can bring them to Jerusalem so they can die. That's what Saul is doing. He is persecuting the people of God. He's killing people. That's God's people. Somebody's committing murder in your family, the family of God. Are you quick to forgive them? As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. That's God. That's the love of God. Then he fell to the ground because of that, right? And heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? It's funny, because remember, he doesn't know the voice of the Lord. That's why he's, that's why he's asking. What, what does the Bible say? It says that the sh my sheep know my voice. Does Saul know God's voice? He's asking, who are you, Lord? Is that you? I don't know. He didn't know who God was if he's asking, who are you? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? So he, trembling and astonished at the same time, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Already the, the Lord is working in him. The Lord said to him, arise and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed him stood speechless because they heard the voice, too. But they like, what's going on here? They didn't know what to do. The men who was with him were speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul rose from the ground and his eyes were and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. What does that mean? He couldn't see. Because of the light, 
that was shining. Right? He couldn't see. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. That means he went there. He couldn't see. He knew what to do. So he was like, I'm a fast. (laughs) I like this next part. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in the vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. Ananias knew who the Lord was, wasn't, didn't he? See, Ananias knows the Lord's voice. That's why he said, here I am, Lord. He knew who God was, unlike Saul. So that means there are some people who will hear God and they don't really know the love of God yet. And some people who know who God is and say, this is God. This is the love of God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. And he said to him, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judeas for one prayer. For the one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, hold on. Wait a minute. (laughs) I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. How many of our friends will say, don't forgive this guy because I heard about him. You don't want to forgive this dude. He's a bad dude. I heard about him. And they will call you like, don't do it. Right? I heard about him in the streets. Before Pastor Pastor was saved, you, don't, you didn't want to know him. <clears throat> yeah, I got a couple of stories, but that's for another day. But and then I was like, Lord, I heard about this guy. You sure you want me to go? And he was cautious because he knows what Saul was doing. He's like, we heard about this dude. He was killing people, your people, and you want me to do what? And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. That means even there, he could have had the authority to continue to kill Christians. But the Lord said to him, And I think this is love right here. (laughs) Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name for the Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him many things he must suffer for my name's sake. That means the Lord had a heart of forgiveness. The Lord had a heart of love towards somebody who was killing his creation. Again, how many of us will have the same type of love for somebody who kills someone in our family? That means God literally is love. God's character is not to give up on you, but to love you, but to forgive you. That's in God's character. He doesn't give up because he knows the power that was in this man. He has the power to do good. He has the power to feed someone or he has the power to strike someone. God saw the power to feed someone. He knew he can feed my people. He can save my people. Even though what he's doing right now is not good, I'm going to show him a different way. 
I'm going to behave as in a character of love towards Saul. Immediately after that, what did Saul do? He went on preaching the gospel because the love of God changed his mind because God is love. The way God showed him love changed his character because God's character is love. Then Paul went on talking about grace and peace be unto you, to the church. <laughs> even changed his own name because his name was Saul, but he had another name. Paul was like, I don't even want to be associated with Paul no more. No, call me Saul no more. Call me Paul. I don't want to be associated with Saul no more because Saul is associated with death, persecuting Christians, killing them. But Paul, he's going to be known for writing the New Testament, talking about love, unity, marriage, correcting the church when they do wrong. That's what Paul was doing because God first showed up with love because God's character is love. It is in God's character to love us. Praise God. It is in God's character to forgive us. I'm here to tell you today, even if you committed murder, God still loves you. We don't say that enough, do we? We don't say that enough. Sometimes we compare ourselves to the people that we think are worse than us. The liar says what? At least I don't steal, right? The thief would be like, I don't kill people, though. The killer would be like, I don't rape. I don't rape nobody, though. And the rapist is like, I don't rape children. We compare ourselves to people who we think are worse than us. But if we compare ourselves to Christ, then that's where the truth lies. Ooh, come on, come on. We compare ourselves to who Christ is. That's where the real truth lies. Praise God. We need to compare ourselves to Christ and then we will know the truth. I understand someone betraying you is easier than someone killing someone in your family or someone in your circle. But God says forgiveness is forgiveness. Love is love. That's what God says. Praise God. Saul deserved death. Did he not? But God literally put his sin away. Just like David. We see in 2 Samuel, so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, what? The Lord also has put your sin away. You shall not die. The same way the Lord put David's sin away, he put Saul's sin away. Because he was deserving of death. But love never fails. Love conquers all. Amen? Love forgives. Praise God. That is why I am persuaded that nothing, nothing can separate you or me from the love of God. From the love that God has for you, nothing can separate it. If you will allow God to do a work in you, just like he did Saul, if you will allow God to permeate your heart, just like he did Saul, you will end up being Paul. If you allow God to love you, you will end up being just like Paul. Praise God. And that is personal, that is powerful, and that is loving. All are in God's character to do. He's a personal, powerful, loving God. How can God be personal, powerful, and loving 
if he's not a way maker, miracle worker, and a promise keeper? <laughs> How? How is it possible? Oh, we say he's a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. What is his character? What kind of character does he have to be to be a way maker, a miracle worker, and a promise keeper? He has to be powerful, he has to be personal, and he has to be loving. He has to be those things if he's going to be your way maker, if he's going to show you the way. Wow. He has to be that. He has to personally speak to you. That's like he showed me the way to my wife. <laughs> he has to be a promise keeper. If he's going to promise something and give it to you. He has to be loving. Mm-hmm. And if he's a miracle worker, <laughs> he has to be powerful to perform those miracles. Mighty to save. Praise God. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's the beginning and end. God is the beginning. Praise God. There is no Big Bang without him. He, caused the, he had the power to cause the Big Bang. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. God's word does not come back to him void. So if he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. That is how personal he is with you. If he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. He has the power to do so. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I'll end with this. Your faith, even if it's as small as a mustard seed, it can move mountains. That means you yourself are powerful because God is powerful and he will not, cannot give you something that he is not. He won't give you the things that are not of the good because every good and perfect gift comes down from the father. Every good and perfect gift comes down from what the the father, what he gives you. Praise God. The question is your faith. Is it personal? Sometimes is it stagnant? Is it situational? Because I'll tell you the truth, sincere faith, sincere faith shows up in the way we seek to obey God. That is sincere faith, the way we seek to obey God. That's when your faith shows up. Are you gonna live a perfect life? No, you're not gonna live a perfect life. Did Saul live a perfect life? No, but the love of God, the love of God permeates your soul, enters your body, and then you will become more of the person that God wants you to be. Praise God. If you're looking for a personal, a powerful, and a loving God, look no further. Because God will give you personal revelation. He will give you the power to do and he will love on you just like he loved on Saul. Because God is all of those things. It is in his character. If you are in this place today, you want to receive this personal, this powerful and loving God. Just raise your hand and I'll pray with you. I promise, he promises to be personal and powerful with you.